It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. Okay, well, I am super excited to be back here with my friend, Michael Porcelli, who uh, a couple months ago, we were talking about the Joker and what feels like such an innocent time. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, he, was, he was one of the first piece, people I thought about um, when over the last couple of weeks, I started noticing in my social media f- feeds as the COVID crisis was kind of descending uh, a lot of energy around some conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. of different theories about what's happening, who's in control, what's the real reason for all of this. And sometimes from sources that kind of shocked me and and I noticed I was feeling particularly reactive against Mm -hmm. in, in my onlining. And it's something that I've been fascinated about for you know, over a decade now, having lived in Boulder for a while, where there's a lot of conspiracy theory to some extent. <laughs> and I just thought, what a great guy to talk about the complexity of what that idea even is and what might be showing up in this moment than with you. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you reached out. I'm excited that the topic is kind of interesting to me. I mean, I've thought about conspirational thinking. I mean, I think to put it into context before we go into that further is, well, we were March 27th, 2020, right? We just, it's it's sort of weird to date a thing like this, but just, I think just yesterday, the U S has the most cases by absolute number, uh, in, out of any country in the world. So we're just like right in the heart of this crisis. And there's a lot of unknown about, where we are, like the characteristics of the disease are unknown. Testing is spotty at best in this moment. Yeah. We don't know how long this is all going to last. I've been in the lockdown mode for like 14 days now, 15 days. So that's kind of where we're in the middle of. And like the uncertainty is like front and center for at yes. least for me. And uh, I think in moments of uncertainty, people's minds like reach for certainty in order to like have a sense of sanity or a sense of control a sense of being able to predict or understand where life is headed so they can make decisions so i think this basic need that we have is kind of where at the root of both like healthy planning and strategic thinking and just making you know like doing the right thing yep. and conspiracy theories. It comes from the same place, I think. Totally. I think that's a great, uh, a great summation there of just a lot of times the need, we feel the need for control. And mm-hmm. I know I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And creating a narrative around things tends to make um, life easier for me to orient my meaning around. Totally. Right? Creating, if there's a story, it's a little easier to know where I fit in it mm-hmm. and what power I do or do not have in response to that story I'm finding myself um, in. And so 
you know, just, I would even love to just speak a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the things we've seen floating around, sure. uh, you know, the, the, the first one I've seen was that, you know, this was genetically engineered and it was consciously unleashed on the world, mm-hmm. uh, is one that I saw in that, um, seems to be maybe based on some reports from like the two thousands or I'm not entirely sure where the evidence from it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's supposedly like a bioweapons lab in Wuhan somewhere. So this is, the, there's two versions of this one too. There's like the, the American conspiracy, which is like the Chinese cooked this up. And then there's the Chinese who think that the Americans like cooked it up and, implanted it in china yeah that's so so totally right <laughs> which even there kind of illuminates some interesting yep. perspective shifts on totally. what country you're based in and um you know there's there's another one i i certainly see that um the scale or, or the the urgency and emergency level of it is what's being blown out of proportion by the media mm-hmm. so that the government can take more control of our lives mm-hmm. is, is one that I've kind of seen, right? That mm-hmm. actually it's not, it's just, it's just a flu. It's, it's probably just a cold. We're actually probably just having a really bad flu season is, mm-hmm. is one that I, I, I've certainly seen. And, but the government is using this opportunity to take more control over its citizens. Yeah. That one's become really big this week. The, the kind of, catchphrase never let a crisis go to waste right it's kind of the uh the kind of accusatory catchphrase that the libertarian minded people freedom and liberty minded people use uh towards what's now in this trump era we call the deep state apparatus or yes this kind of like general conspiracy of what is it? Science and academia and mainstream media and the intelligence agencies, which is sort of weird to sort of group all those together <laughs> based on previous decades, because I've never heard those grouped together that way. But uh, there's a way that I can kind of put my mind into that mindset and, and sort of see it like, oh, there's this kind of overall story, this like unified narrative. We got it on the big three networks when we were kids, you know, Dan Rather and and Peter Jennings and those yeah. guys just like and it was like, well, those 30 minutes of news, you know, and and that was it. That was everything that happened in the world today was like it's like, but there's so much more that happens in the world. It's already being squeezed through this little pinhole, right? But where does that narrative come from? Oh, well, there's it's it's almost like a kabuki, right? Oh, here's the White House press conference, and this official stands in front of a mic, and then these other people stand behind their cameras, and they ask questions, and, this, and they just give them the answers, and they okay, or maybe they have like little contacts and like intelligence agencies or whatever. But I'm like, that's already kind of pre-chewed food, right? There's this is like this is where my I tend to sort of see the places that seem valid as to where this type of conspiratorial thinking comes from. Yeah. And you can sort of see if you, that's probably true to an extent that there's the kind of, what do you want to call it? Like uh, the, the pre-digested narrative about what's happening. Cause like, what does the public really need to know about all this stuff? What can the public even handle knowing or even comprehend? Cause there's just, you know, 
it's reality is just this big mess of information. Totally. So like, we've got to tell them something and something that has got to be accurate enough. So it's not so much like lying maybe as it is just very well-crafted, edited stuff. And even lefty people like Noam Chomsky kind of has this concept of manufacturing consent uh, yes. from back in the day, which is kind of like, oh, this is, this is part of how the control works already. So this this latest this one you're talking about now where people are like, oh, this is a, a conspiracy by this whatever we want to call it. That's like trying to like seize more centralized federal control by essentially scaring us into it. Right. And using it as an excuse to basically become more authoritarian or to for the federal government to own more assets or whatever, spy on us more, track our locations, all those kinds of things. Create a new digital currency so there will never be tax-free transactions right. again. Cashless society. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, I wouldn't be surprised one. if some of those things actually do happen. And then it will yeah. kind of partly validate. Yeah. I, and I think this is an important you know, thing I've been kind of pushing back on is, um, where this pandemic came from, mm -hmm. I, I don't think was an intentionally caused thing personally. That doesn't mean people won't try to use it as power grab and that we shouldn't be vigilant, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we saw that mm -hmm. after 9 11 and the uh, Patriot Act. And totally. Like, this is a real thing we have to be aware of. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some details in the stimulus that was just passed. It's like, ah, oh, really? Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Um, but so one of, you know, one of the things I want to talk about that I had sent you a link earlier and it, this, you know, this was brewing in me and my friend, um, Jay, who I used to do some podcasting with turned me on to this doc by a, a filmmaker. I had seen his first piece of work called everything is remix, mm -hmm. maybe five, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And turns out for the last seven years, he had been working on a documentary called this is not a conspiracy theory <laughs> made in the style of a conspiracy movie. Yeah, uh, which is kind of kind of kind of fascinating and interesting. Yeah, um, and it actually quite helped me organize some of my thoughts around some of the deeper structures. I think of what's happening here, and there were a couple phrases that just really really stuck with me. I just want to throw out there and and, and then hear kind of how the film landed with you. But the the first of which was you know in, in this guy Kirby Ferguson's mind. He calls um, conspiracy theory in some sense, he, he defines it as the projection of human intention onto complex events. Mm -hmm. So like what we were kind of just talking about of we create a narrative around some kind of complex emergent around a system. And he says the thing that really defines conspiracy theories and conspiracists are the question is not how did it happen, but who did it? Mm -hmm. And I actually feel like that was pretty, pretty uh, um, <laughs> looking into the crystal ball for exactly what's happening now. And, yeah. and it's right. That's literally what we're hearing. Who did this? Who created this? Right. Who unleashed it versus an incredibly important question. I think globally we have to answer right now is how did this happen? How did it happen? Right. Yep. What systems do we have in place that are probably new, somewhat global emergence, emergence that weren't there before that allowed something like this to happen in a way um, 
in a speed I think it's maybe never happened before. Right. Totally. Yeah. That um, was, was the Latin term cui bono, right? Like who benefits? That's yes. a that's a a kind of a analysis that it sort of places uh, power at the center or money or power. It's very common in postmodern style thought, right? It's like whatever appears to be what's happening on the surface is sort of a false kind of story, but the real story is underneath it, right? And underneath mm -hmm. it, the best analytical tool or the, the, the one that's going to lead you to the supposed truth is to look for who benefits the most by things going this way and then sort of work backwards from there, right? And like build an argument that sort of proves that that person or that group, that cabal or whatever, pick your favorite, you know, secret enemy. If it's the, you know, the Freemasons <laughs> or the Rothschild family or whoever, right? like the, the deep state or the Chinese, like communist party, like pick, pick them and then create a narrative that leads to that. And that kind of thinking I think is both a strength and a weakness of postmodern style thinking, but which definitely Holy. is a signature of our era i think it was um it was a famous essay in 1964 richard j hofstadter published in harper's magazine called the paranoid style in american politics and it was one of the best uh essays uh or one of the most widely read essays in harper's that kind of talks about this style of thinking in america american politics that kind of stretches way back and what what wow. I thought was interesting about um, Kirby's documentary was how he talked to, he actually used that lens on the American Revolution, that the founding fathers basically ginned up a conspiracy theory about the actions of the, the British government and the King of England in order to justify the Revolutionary War. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen it applied in that way. I was kind of yeah. <laughs> giving me food for thought. Yeah, definitely. It was a very different lens uh, on, on that whole time period than I had certainly ever even considered. Um, and yeah, I love what you were just speaking to about postmodernism as well, because, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, right, is in, in his doc, he talks about it was really kind of, I, I think he points out JFK's assassination is mm -hmm. like when conspiracy theory really kind of fully blossomed. Totally. And unsurprisingly, that was a moment culturally where postmodern thinking and consciousness was really starting to descend into the global commons, you know, based mm -hmm. on evidence we have, so to speak, on, on a widespread scale. And that, you know, for whatever reason, I was I was thinking about this thing where um, you know, one of one of kind of unrelated, but one of Wim Wim Hof's theories mm -hmm. <laughs> about uh you know, the amygdala and anxiety in the modern age is uh -huh. that, you know, when we're out in the world in nature, this level of um, engagement and presence we have in our brainstem is constantly activated. It's constantly scanning the environment, listening, looking for danger, parsing all kinds of information. Um, it's like a, a CPU being very well used. Mm -hmm. And that in the modern day, not having that level of exposure, there's all this extra processing power with nothing to do because we're huh. sitting in our rooms and we're safe, 
right? Mm -hmm. When they're not tracking a sound over there, an animal there, where to get food next necessarily. And so that extra CPU has nothing to do. So it kind of starts to come out as anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 it overcorrects. It's not being used for its correct purpose. And it just struck me, it, I don't know if it's true or not, but in some sense, it feels like conspiracy theory is a version of postmodern thinking kind of doing that. Right? Totally. It's healthy. It's healthy version is to point out and make us aware of the structures we're embedded in yep. and what the systems are, right? And to point out like, oh, you thought the world just worked, but it turns out there's all these power differentials and systems and things you're a part of that you need to be aware of. So it, it deconstructs those systems. It doesn't give any path for what to do next right. or how to make those systems healthy. But it, in, in my sense, it's like, oh, it kind of feels like maybe some of the conspiracy theory is a bit of that. It's that, that correct muscle being overused on certain situations that maybe aren't appropriate um, in that, you know, uh, that's that same just kind of thing of the more we evolve as a species and as a culture, the more complex our systems are getting. Yeah. And because there's more complexity, there's less we can predict and more opportunity think for things to go disastrously wrong. And so there's all these little points that suddenly I think that system wants to make that judgment around mm -hmm. you know, that the postmodern thought kind of like attacks like an antibody. Mm -hmm. of, oh, something's weird here. And there must be a story. There must be a who behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Like I think bringing up the, the historical era in terms of when it really kind of caught on what I liked about the documentary is, you know, he talked about, both the JFK, the, the first wave of the JFK conspiracy theorists were actually lefties because they didn't like the idea that Oswald was a communist. So they wanted to find a way of essentially like getting it away from, you know, one of their <laughs> comrades. <laughs> but then there was McCarthyism, which was kind of a, you know, like a basically like a witch hunt, like that didn't turn up into anything, but it was another kind of right wing style conspiracy. And there's a I mean, there's a couple of things I want to hit here. One is that it, it always tends to refract through the political divisions of its day. So those two conspiracy yes. theories are directly connected to this kind of Cold War situation that everyone was basically living within and everything was basically being interpreted in terms of how it relates to what's going on in the Cold War. I think that was a, that was a big part of that um, and that you can see happening today. Right. Like just pick your you'll always have kind of these almost like parallel like twin emergence of conspiratorial thinking that points like almost oppositely, you know, depending on. Totally. Yeah. Which is fascinating to see that happening today. Um, and, and, and like with very real consequences, mm -hmm. which is the, the really intense thing to me of you know, part of what scares me about this moment is in some sense, because of the bubble, at least I've experienced as a pretty affluent, you know, educated guy in America, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that all of the intense events since I was born in 1980, they kind of impacted me, you know, mm -hmm. but my life didn't really change day to day. Mm -hmm. My life was never really a, a threat. 
you know, 9-11 was probably the biggest experience that um, certainly we went through. But my day-to-day didn't really change that much. You know, I remember some stuff was canceled the immediate days after, and then going through the airport changed. But I could grocery shop. I, you know, I was out with my friend, like, mm-hmm. st- still partying in college. Like, all that stuff was totally. still there. This is the first event where, while my behavior has had to change drastically day to day, and there's no necessarily necessarily no expiration date on that so far. Right. And what we what I see happening here that scares me is like the red blue divide, mm-hmm. and how this is feels like one of the first instances where that divide is not just going to have a theoretical impact, but yeah. even you know one of the the uh, research things I saw last night was how just by the nature of density, it's quite possible that red states will never have waves to be the wave in the same way. Cause in a rural community, people spend a lot more time isolated and separate, smaller yeah. points of connection. It's going to slow down the spread naturally. If you're, you know, church and maybe grocery shopping once a week in your small town are the first thing. So yeah. for them, it is going to be like, what is everyone talking about? Totally. I don't see this showing up in my community. Totally. And, and then, you know, we're seeing like New York city just get decimated right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's horrifying. And signs are pointing that a couple other different urban centers are, you know, headed there. Yeah. And, and then at the same time we see, you know, I think it's the governor of Mississippi and Alabama who are like, Nope, no stay at home. Uh, I'm encouraging all businesses to continue as normal and uh, churches in particular, please meet. And I feel a lot of fear, like Mm -hmm. fear for what might hit those communities in a month or two. I mean, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. My kind of frame for all of this, which is kind of my frame for global warming in a sense is I would love to be wrong, but Mm -hmm. I still think the precautions we can take are going to be beneficial to beneficial in the near term, right? I'd mm-hmm. rather be a little overcautious in this mm-hmm. than undercautious personally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm uh noticing my mind is like going into kind of more I'm trying to stay focused on conspiratorial thinking, but like I totally I get the the fear and the, the way of like uh they're they're kind of related right? Like there's, there's, there's real consequences. There's real evidence out there and there's real reason to be fearful. And it is totally related to basically what, uh, narrative people kind of tend to buy into. And a moment here that I think I was thinking about this, like if you asked a person, like what's the most catastrophic thing that happened in history of the 20th century? A lot of people would say World War One or World War Two, but the Spanish flu killed more people than either one of those things. But we don't yeah. remember it like we remember. We don't commemorate it the way that we commemorate World War One and World War Two. And now that we're kind of in the middle of something very similar, if that's the, the closest comparator, is the Spanish flu, and you know even some of the the characteristics of the disease seem to be similar mm-hmm. and uh and that was the beginning of like modern kind of epidemiological public health thinking like that's basically what started it was that time 
And but we why don't we commemorate it that way? Why is it this kind of weird event? And I sort of I think the psychology of war, like actual war, unites us against like an another human enemy totally. that kind of brings us together. Right. And then we feel this like we're all in this together as like one nation or whatever this is. Yeah. And there's this kind of moment that we're in right now where it doesn't like I keep seeing the partisan stories play out. And some of them are in the form of these conspiracies that I'm like, oh, what if it doesn't do that? Or what if that's what happened? during the Spanish flu epidemic. That's why we don't commemorate it because we never had that moment of feeling unity um, yep. in the past. And like, we just sort of had these kind of competing narratives of like, this really is a thing or really isn't a thing or we're overreacting or we're underreacting or it's somebody else's fault. It's the Spanish people's fault. I mean, I don't know, like what the, if yeah. there was an equivalent of that at that time, but to see the, the divisions sort of, perpetuate even in a moment of crisis which feels very different than 9-11 like when 9-11 happened in the, in the conspiracies came later but in that moment it was just like whoosh, it just felt like total unity with you know all of united states all of western civilization even it just felt like we were all in that together that moment yeah and you know i've been thinking about that a lot and there's a couple points i love that you brought up in that um Right, because there, there's always a tweet, right? There's there's a tweet from Trump. I don't know a day or two ago that uh, it was it was something like real. Amer I can't remember how he phrased it, but he basically insinuated that real Americans were Americans that were on his side. So got it, mm -hmm. right? Um, which is you know in the kind of integral developmental lens, that's pretty red power God. Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. pledge fealty to me. Mm -hmm. you're okay right as long as you're on my side you're in the in tribe um and i was shocked you know it really kind of struck me how different that was for you know as much as uh, as i was reactive to him at the time uh, bush right he did activate a nationalism right a healthy mm -hmm. us versus them good version of that and he was defending muslims right remember mm -hmm. that like in the, in the mosques in new york city mm -hmm. that I may not personally, you know, agree with their faith, but they're Americans. I, right. I like that. And I was just like really struck by that, how, how strong that divide is right now. And the other thing I loved in Kirby's documentary that I think speaks to some of this too, in which I think provides that fertile ground for conspiracy uh, in a lot, a lot of ways was he was talking about, um, you know, as we've moved to a more mediated culture, we develop our mental models of reality based less upon firsthand experience mm -hmm. and more upon these mediated messages coming at us. Yeah. And so, you know, in these like red states, when the mediated message you're getting from Fox News and from Trump is it's it's just a flu, it's not a big deal, everything's fine, business as usual. And then you combine that with, and I'm not really seeing it show up in my community yet. I think that allows for, you know, this, in some sense, you could, I think you could argue that, 
you know, part of the conservative talking point is it's a conspiracy by the left to undermine Donald Trump to play up this pandemic, right? They yeah. want to make sure he doesn't get reelected this year. So yeah. they're, this, this is something they're celebrating. Like the left wants this to be true, wants this to be really bad. So mm -hmm. he won't be reelected. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those interesting things where, okay, based on firsthand evidence and then the experience I'm, I might be getting from the media, of course, that would all kind of line up, right? Yeah. If I was living in, in, in one of these um, counties in the deep South or, or Midwest or somewhere in, man, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah. 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 That, I think there's a, I'm trying to wrap my mind around like, what's the, what's the parallel? Is there a parallel to that one? Um, I, I, when I hear there's a way that I, I, this one is not so much conspiracy, conspiracy thinking, but there, there's a way that like, I, I often find myself wanting to chill out partisanship more uh like i have way more lefty leaning like circles of friends and i'm like hey guys don't partisan the shit out of this thing right now like let it play totally. out especially who like because we're in a state of unknown like who knows how this is going to play out and if somehow the measures that the u.s takes work out like you're gonna look dumb in november and he will totally win in November oh my God, and you'll totally. have shot yourself in the foot. His approval ratings are, they're going up. Oh yeah. Yep. So, but this is, this is, I'm steer us back to conspiracy. This is a little politics thing, but the thing that you said about like, we live in a mediated world. Like I think, especially if we go back to those two, we talked about JFK and McCarthyism. If you think about what the post-World War II world was like, this was the emergence of mass broadcast media. It started in the 40s and you had FDR's oh, like nightly address on the radio. And then it was like broadcast TV just became a thing that started going out into all these middle class homes. And you and, and it was like, wait a minute, this was that was the you could sort of go back to printing press and see how there was kind of the, the early stirrings of that and kind of the early modern period. But at this point, it became like this entire thing. It's like you almost you almost never encounter it directly yourself in the flesh, yes. in person. So your brain and your body, your whole way that you evolve, we evolve biologically to like just kind of validate shit for ourselves. <laughs> it's kind of we can't do it in that way. You have to kind of triangulate it in by multiple indirect vectors and try to see all right i think this is kind of you know i did science class and then i'm reading the science reporting and okay that sort of tells me that that's trustable all right okay that's you know i i think donald trump is a real person even though i've never met him right it would be <laughs> weird if he wasn't because <laughs> there's so many reasons to confirm that right like um i, I choose that one as a kind of a joking one but like it is it is true that we're we're constantly synthesizing what we believe is true about the world, partly because the travel of information that has been enabled by electronic, digital, radio, like technologies, like the way that we have like interconnected the whole world, 
allows us to gather information about everything that's happening. And then it's like our, 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 that circuitry that needs to interpret shit starts getting kind of overloaded. Like, how do I make sense? Like people have opinions on things like global geopolitics or macroeconomics. And like, I have opinions on this and I'm like, why do I have opinions on this? And it's, it's sort of, this is not somebody living a few hundred years ago probably would have very many opinions on of an average person, unless you were one of the people who was like a diplomat or a head of state or something, you would just be going about your business. But here. So true. It's like, we're in this, right. We're in this thing. And like the whole field of media studies and propaganda and how that has played out in the 20th century. That kind of creates the, it's like um, ripe, fertile conditions for conspiracy theorizing, right? <laughs> because it, it, we're already just relying on this simulated in like map of the world yeah. anyway for the things that we think are real. So it's almost like uh, it's like hyper. I think hyper truth is a better concept. That's a great way. They kind of yeah. post truth. Um, and I remember Jeff Salzman would always bring up who's that Kolakowski's infinite cornucopia law of the infinite cornucopia. This idea that like you can just pick a doctrine or something, a theory you want to believe in. And then you can just like basically find the evidence for it. And especially in the world of Google, you just make up a story and then just Google it. And you'd be like, yep. cool. There's somebody that boom, here's the first link that agrees with me. Yep. That's right. It's like, it's, there is literally that much interpretive layer that you could just select the thing that just is the thing that you think is real. But the, that's a it's a very weird state to be in. And I think of it as like the information ecology that we're living in that is conspiratorial almost by nature or it becomes conspiratorial. Oh, my God. That Yeah, that totally reminds me of I don't <laughs> I don't remember a lot from my. uh high school literature classes, but you know, I've always remembered the Shakespeare quote um, from Cicero, you know, men may construe things after their fashion, clean from the purpose of the things themselves. Mm -hmm. Like that is so innate in us, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, tying it back to the documentary again, he, there's two pieces, you know, one, we, our biology is somewhat um, oriented around looking for patterns. Yep because there is so much information coming in, you know, our brains try to process it by making pattern blocks and organizing things and sifting things quickly. Um, So we're looking for patterns. And then, you know, (laughs) as far back as we can tell, we've trained ourselves in this ecology of stories, Mm -hmm. which are always a who, right? It's mm-hmm. always me versus them, the villain, the hero. Mm-hmm. It's very rarely me versus the system. Like those stories just don't tend to go very far, right? It's mm-hmm. why there's always a, a supervillain who like is the personification of something, mm-hmm. of some kind of system. And that all comes together. I think exactly like you're saying in that, you know, I consider myself a, a pretty aware guy and it's a huge co- cognitive load trying to deal with the amount of information coming in and trying to orient what do I actually, how do I make meaning around that? So it's 
easy sometimes to begin to offload some of that onto a political party or onto a leader who I value. Like, oh yeah, okay, I identify with that. That's that's a that's a quick kind of click in that sense. Yeah. And I think same thing, the conspiracy theory, this idea that there's a who behind these emergence and complex systems is a way to kind of relieve some of that cognitive load because it's mm -hmm. pretty intense to try to map your head around all the different things that have allowed this virus to spread globally in, you know, less than 90 days. Yep. Yep. That, that seeking for intentionality, the who is yes. one of the it's one of the like the master patterns right it's almost like archetypal in its nature it's like it's a simplifying abstraction but it's one that's sort of generally useful right like if something is happening something intended for it to happen and this kind of stretches even way back to uh magical thinking you know kind of purple meme stuff in integral theory like this is like yeah. being possessed by some god or some demon or every entity like a tree or a river sort of has its own spirit, which is its kind of projected uh, intentionality or anthropomorphization is another way to think about it. But, but we always are doing that like hyper <laughs> hyper agency detection, I think is what they call it in uh, anthropology. Like, oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there's this one other area I'd be curious to kind of get your take on because mm -hmm my experience a lot of times and i feel like this kind of ties into you know ken's idea of boomeritis that one of the dangers of postmodernism is it leaves a, a gap that kind of warrior power consciousness can exploit yes um mm -hmm. and one way i i have experienced this personally for me is how it often shows up when someone when i'm engaging with someone around conspiracy is is you know, and you you mentioned this in the beginning this this idea of control and this idea of power, mm -hmm. and there's two things I experienced as happening in that. One, for me, it often lands in my body as a actually kind of a type of narcissism, in that it's I know and you don't mm -hmm. is often what I the energy I feel from people that are deeply versed in some kind of conspiracy theory. It's, yeah, I know, and you don't, right? Yeah. I know, but you don't. And you're just, you're blind. You're not awake, right. yeah. but I know, right? Yeah. And that hits my body as this weird kind of um, red narcissism a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a more, I think, um, generous way to say that would be, you know, a, looking for a way to feel some control in a situation where they might feel powerless, right? Being part of a huge system that I don't know how to change myself. Mm -hmm. But if it's a conspiracy, it's not my fault that I'm not able to change it in some sense, right? There's like a, mm -hmm. a liberation from responsibility. Yeah. Uh, the system stacked against me. So I don't need to participate mm -hmm. in the, the political sphere, in the public sphere to try to change it mm -hmm. because it's all rigged. Right. And, I could just get so distraught by that. Mm. You just you get distraught by that. Let me see when you when you sort of interpret other people doing that, or you get distraught by that when you do it, or both. Um, I mean, I get distraught when I certainly label other people as narcissists, and I also it makes me sad that 
I experience those people as participating less in actually trying to shift the system, right? Instead of I'm going to participate in the shift in the system to try to change the rules to make a different outcome, I'm not going to play at all because the whole thing's rigged, which to me is, well, you're giving up your power, right? Like you're, you're actually saying, I have no power in this situation because it's all conspiracy. It's all rigged. So there's mm-hmm. no point. You know, there's no point in voting. Both sides are the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of the manifestations I, I sometimes experience of that. And that, that does, you know, it makes me sad. It makes me upset. Or it's like, no, this whole thing doesn't work unless you participate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're kind of inching close to some of the thoughts that I, I, I have. Like I have, um, well, let me, let me do two things here. Like one is, uh, I'll do my, my part in it. Like when I think back to, I don't know, when when I felt like I first started engaging with these, this level of thinking or awareness, probably my college years, right? Oh, I'm being informed now. And I'm like learning about history and at a collegiate level. And I'm starting to understand like what are the forces that created the world we're in and, and I don't know. It always kind of annoyed me to some degree, like that these seem like pat answers. I, I definitely was of the mind of like, you know, history is just a bunch of lies told by the winners, right? Like that type of idea, which is kind of a postmodern idea. Um, yeah. But also uh, the the kind of equivalency, like I, it, the Democrats and the Republicans sort of occurred more similar than different to me. Um that like the weird things like you know isn't the constitution a little old now or you know why why do we vote the way that we do aren't there better voting systems mathematically so like i started like nerding out in these ways back then and people would just be like "Mm -hmm, that's that's never gonna happen that's kind of interesting whatever porch you're you can just think your utopian ideas like all day long and whatever and i'm like okay but then when 2016 rolled around and brexit and trump all happened suddenly there's a a lot of people started coming out of the woodwork and being like um i mean you could if you did bitcoin that was a few years earlier but but it was all that time people were just like is money do we need do we really need to have a central bank to have money or do we really should should voting be this way majority wins or should it be another way or whatever what pick your favorites yeah. kind of like the whole system itself is kind of broken theory i definitely have had that view um myself and sometimes that manifests as kind of political apathy uh sometimes it manifests though as a kind of a outsider activism like have you heard of this idea of like a game B or like, what's the backup plan, right? What's Mm -hmm. the, like, let's build the new civilization kind of here in parallel. And then when this one collapses, we'll just, the people who've been working on that, I don't know if it's like some combination of crypto people, disaster preppers, weapon stockpilers. (laughs) I mean, who, who is this like list of people who is like, they're already sort of like have one foot in the like, next civilization 2.0 <laughs> like whatever this is gonna happen and and you know i'm definitely not a prepper and i don't have a bunker you know but i i definitely have thoughts about how do we get there you know so that's 
but that's not driven in a conspiratorial way in the way that we're talking about it today. Like who benefits or like one of the things he talked about in the film that I like was the difference between a conspiracy theory, none of which really come true versus an actual conspiracy. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite is the COINTEL Pro, where the you know United States Security Services were spying on all these civil rights groups all throughout the late 60s and early 70s. Nobody was theorizing that that was the case. But then when they discovered that it was the case, it then became like, what is the like that whole period from the Pentagon Papers through Watergate. And MK Ultra and COINTELPRO, that was just when like the mistrust of the system through what I currently believe are, are actual validated conspiracies, Mm -hmm. like creates a good reason to be like, this whole thing is fucked. Right. So I guess there's a way, and this is me feeling right. Right. This is me doing the thing, right? Like I'm right. I know. Right. Like, no, the system really is fucked. And it really is because these actual conspiracies, right? Like, yeah, totally. I think that's a yeah, and and, and there these things are true, and there are abuses of power in, totally. in these systems, right? Like that. That's where obviously you hear about things like that, and it creates some distrust. I think that the shift is that um, you know that I really liked. He he kind of pointed towards in the doc is um, we are in co-creation with those systems, right? That that those kinds of powers were abused mm-hmm. are often less about there's big evil plotting people behind everything yeah. than there's certain inputs and outputs in different systems that tend to then optimize towards something. And right. then it, it happens, an emergence happens, right? Oh, we can do this and we want to do this for this reason, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think is a, in, it's less intentional, but more the result of a lot of options on the chessboard, so to speak. In that, you know, he, a couple more of the phrases I, I really liked, you know, to bringing the conspiracy back to kind of the systems idea is that, and, you know, this is where I have to be vigilant right now is that, like you're saying, we can't, you can't control what you can't predict, uh, mm-hmm. which has two sides to it, right? One is that, like, who, in my mind, you would have to be insane to intentionally release something like this, because there is no way to predict in the complexity of a global system mm-hmm. what would happen. There's way too many unintended consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sewer lines are being clogged up because people are using so many Clorox wipes and flushing them. So the sewer system's going crazy. I just saw um, there, uh, many hospitals are now medically inducing all pregnant women at 39 weeks, uh, which has huge ramifications on the birth process and, wow. and the baby. Wow. Uh, and so the idea that there's a couple people like planning this and, oh, we know how this is going to go. Like, it's, it's crazy. You can't control what you can't predict, right? So mm-hmm. it'd be incredibly dangerous. And then in this globalized economy, to think that a nation was doing it is like we're past the the point where nations aren't inherently connected, right? Mm -hmm. Where the suffering of one nation, it will impact others, 
like we're, we're seeing it and it's about to roll out massive, you know, mm -hmm. probably the biggest recession of our time, you know, that we're likely headed into. Yeah. Um, and it's good for me to remember, uh, we're really bad at predicting complex systems. Totally. Like really bad at it. So even as much as I can look at the data and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to happen. Totally. You're right. Have to be ready for it's not going to happen. All of Trump's predictions will be true. This won't be a big deal. We won't run out of respirators. And the fatality rate will be barely higher than the standard flu. Right. Yep. So let me let me ask you, uh, let's make it a little more personal. Like, um, do you have a favorite or pet actual conspiracy theory of your own right now about what's happening? Maybe it doesn't mean that you like buy into it and you're here like, you know, Mel Gibson in that movie, you know, with the yarn and mm -hmm. all that shit. But you're thinking, oh, yeah, like this one is plausible enough at maybe like a low level of confidence that it could be true, but kind of like, oh, it fits a pattern. Like, do you have one? I actually with this, I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've read some of them and it's just hard for me to like find one that I resonate with, you know, the closest one that I would say, I don't know if this technically counts as a conspiracy theory, but um, is Donald Trump's worried about being reelected mm -hmm. and he measures his election chances on the health of the stock market. So mm. all the framing that is coming out of the right right now about mm -hmm. it's just a flu, it's not that dangerous is to keep consumer confidence high so that he'll be reelected. So I've mm -hmm. constructed, I guess you could say, a, a conspiracy theory that all the messaging that's coming from the White House is, is for that reason, that they are ignoring data and putting out these, these, these messages because he just wants to get reelected. Mm -hmm. right. Yep. Yeah, that's part, yeah, that, part of the that's way That's my there. conspiracy theory. To to that's totally. It. Yeah, I have to own that. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, Cool. So mine, uh, there's there's two that I'm working with here that you know uh, are interesting. One is that it is a it is a, a socioeconomic bioweapon that was engineered by the Chinese. And uh, just to caveat all this, I don't buy this theory, right? But it's like I have a very low, you know. <laughs> point something percent confidence this <laughs> may be true because it has an interesting thing right it's, it's super it spreads a lot but it has like a low kill rate uh and the the chinese have such authoritarian infrastructure that they kind of would know that they could handle it right like that uh, this is sort of take believing that that flat yeah. line is real and they're reporting honestly which is also kind of a question but like they sort of know, like, okay, cool, we'll start this wave here. We'll take some deaths in our own country. We'll get it under control. But then it will just completely create discord through the whole rest of the world. Then asset prices will fall. And then we'll just convert. We'll either buy up assets at a discount or we'll convert states into client states from to the Chinese government. And then they will it'll essentially be turned into the Chinese century, right? It'll be sort of like the World War II moment for the US. We became the globally dominant superpower. This is the, and it's like a, it's not a bioweapon that's meant to like kill a lot of people. It's meant to keep a lot of people alive. 
it's just meant to disrupt markets primarily. So that's kind of one place my conspiracy mind goes like, ooh, that sort of fits. Like maybe that's what's happening. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's intense. Yeah, but I don't, but, it's crazy. And there could be some truth on the other side of it, right? That because some of that certain happens. things, China is in a place to 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 strengthen their position in certain world markets mm-hmm. moving forward after this that um, we do have to be super aware of, right? They're the ones that make a lot of the masks. They're the ones that make a lot of the things we need right now. Um, and there's leverage in that. There's absolutely leverage in that. Yep, totally. <laughs> you know, it's, it strikes me one, <laughs> this just hit me of another personal example of mm. me projecting human intent on a complex system from Mm -hmm. 10 days ago, I think Mm -hmm. was when um, I'd been posting, you know, what I thought was pretty straightforward data on COVID. Mm -hmm. And two of my posts on Facebook got banned. Never in my life had that ever happened where it's like, oh yeah, this this is banned for going against um, community content or some guideline. And I was like, oh my God, Facebook, da 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 da. Like I immediately put into the box, right? And then I clearly get the, correct feedback and information from people that so many Facebook employees are having to work from home. The people that normally monitor content, the human beings can't keep up with demand. So the AIs are having to do a lot more work and they're flagging a lot more misinformation. Mm -hmm. So an unintended consequence, right? Less humans. So the AI bot gets way more aggressive and it's flagging all kinds of content. I totally projected, Oh, some them them yeah. did this to me versus yeah. oh no this is an unintended consequence of an algorithm which mm-hmm. you know is a whole nother area we could talk about maybe sometime that we're seeing this idea of complex systems that you can't predict you put some inputs in of right yes um, you know the the attention economy and add and ads and what does it do unattended to us it hooks into this reptilian brainstem where we get activated around outrage yeah. and it moves everyone towards polarity because yeah. then there's more outrage there's more interaction there's more engagement there's more eyeballs and time spent yes on the computer yes i love that you're going here like let's talk about this for a little bit because you know we talked about uh the what the you know, Marshall McLuhan talks about like the medium is the message. And I, I like to think about the, the interaction between what is the uh, the capacities of the platform. You could think of the printing press as a platform or radio and t- broadcast television as a platform. And now we're kind of in the internet as a platform. Like how does that actually affect the discourse that takes place on that platform? And um, some of the things you're talking about with kind of algorithmic based uh, news feeds and like, you know, maximizing time on site. And then you kind of get in this incentive war of like click baiting your headlines and blah, blah, blah. It's like a runaway process that we're kind of in the middle of. I mean, this has been something we've been talking about pretty actively in the public sphere since about 2016. You know, the, the idea of, of the attention economy, uh, the idea of machine learning algorithms and the ways that those can actually be hacked uh, to get, uh, you know, certain things to go viral, like growth hacking. And that's a whole industry now. Like, and this guy, Martin Gurry, he was like a CIA analyst for a really long time. He wrote a book in 2014 called the revolt of the public and the crisis of authority in the new millennium. And he is his theory, which I put some amount of credence into it. It's, 
it's one of these sort of headless conspiracy theories. Those are a little bit my favorite ones because yeah. in in the documentary, your guys talking about the like the who did it, like who are the big baddie puppeteers ones, and this is more of like uh, it's the system, right, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That's that is, and I'm kind of like I kind of buy those, uh, but in that case, it's not really a conspiracy theory in the traditional sense, uh, but it is the thing that generates conspiracy theories. And uh, he's basically saying like, there's been a mood that has just increased in the past decades of just like against something like against someone. It doesn't matter who it is. And sometimes it doesn't even matter that it is anybody. Like it can be a vague. um, I think Occupy Wall Street actually was a, is a perfect example of this. There was like that, that, um, who who did it the the culture jamming what is our one demand you know the ballerina oh, yeah, on the yeah. on top of the bull right and that was the totally. thing show up here at zuccotti park on this date and that's what started the whole thing and but like i remember the news media kind of going over to what's going on here what do you guys want like we're just here because something is wrong yeah, right like totally. what are you guys like for we're we're not sure yet Right, like we're having all these meetings, these general assemblies, and these facilitators, and we're trying to figure out like what is our one demand, and it almost became like nothing came out of it in terms of a specific demand. It was just a generalized againstness of some kind that there's some one yes. percent villain something that the, there's the people sort of like. So, sort of strangely it didn't become like individualized in the way a traditional conspiracy theory is That's so true like this person or that group like but it was just kind of like this general all the people with the power and the money just all the people with the power mm-hmm. and the money it's bad it's just bad right and like we kind of created a I think Martin Gurry's thesis is we've kind of created an information ecology through the systems of basically platforms, uh, social media platforms that essentially like narratives of this shape or pattern themselves. So now it's it's almost like a, a conspiracy theory is about like looking for a pattern, right? And this is almost like looking at patterns that conspiracy theories resemble and we've created a, a a moment where it's essentially you could just throw one out there and just and it's like it's like like uh you know the meme lords they're like cool i just got the Holy. right cat face with the right words and just that's gonna be like it'll just go and it's like those the, the chans and the meme lords and the you know some crazy russian kids in some basement somewhere working for some gangs or whatever they're they're just like Oh, check this out, right? It's just gonna go viral. And it's like they're just optimizing for virality. And like the stories that resemble this kind of conspiratorial like style are the ones that do go viral. And so now I think we're in a weird meta conspiracy world, right? Where where they can just be spawned off like rapidly like and i think that is what's different now than kind of like jfk mccarthy era conspiratorial thinking like now it's just like pick your favorite everyone has their favorite one too it's like oh yeah oh you believe the the moon landing was fake you're such an idiot but dude 
let me tell you about what happened in 9-11. <laughs> like, you're an idiot if you don't believe that, like, that was an inside job. And it's like, okay, like, everybody's got, like, this is the one that I got yeah. that I think is the real one. And these are all the ones that I think are the dumb ones. And it's just, there's just too, it's like hyper truth. There's just too much of it that we're all kind of walking around probably buying into a couple at least <laughs> right oh i'm sure just again, the cognitive load of sorting all that you yeah. know that's part of i think where a lot of the breakdown in our political sphere particularly is right now is it's just easier to set a frame it doesn't matter whether it's true and it can spread instantaneously and you don't have to clean it up nope. so you just want to be the first one to get out there and set the frame set the frame set the frame in your in your benefit and the rate at which information can multiply and transmit now that's one of the novel emergence that i think we knew was coming but maybe mm -hmm. didn't you know see before and i think this mirrors in terms of information and the virus itself right mm -hmm. things like this happened before in, mm -hmm. in earlier times but you had natural limits because of geography because of how information spread that a pandemic yeah. could hit you know i think one of the things that blew my mind was, yeah, there was like a whole nother SARS outbreak in certain areas of China, like 15 years ago, that those regions really remember yeah. and had some significant loss around. Mm -hmm. But because the system was a little different at the time, there were natural constraints that it couldn't go, you know, it couldn't spread too fast beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what we've been unprepared for is the unintended consequence of globalism is that so many of the natural constraints around information, around viral spread, around monopoly power, mm -hmm. right? It was one thing when you were the, you know, um, top bread making company in your state, mm -hmm. but now you can be the one in the world, right? Because these mm -hmm. corporations, there's no natural constraint. Uh, and so the power just kind of spills over and these things can spread so, so fast. So you have people just spitting out things and it goes out and then it can get amplified. And then I do think there's an argument that there's, yeah, there's some cognitive surplus in our culture right now. Mm -hmm. I have an hour to sit around. <laughs> Talk I can to Google. me. <laughs> I can help strengthen that meme, that belief, mm -hmm. right? I can, totally. I can dedicate my energy to that. Um, and then these things just accelerate so, so fast. Um, so one last thing, and then I got to close out in like five minutes. Okay. Um, to go take care of my baby. The, uh, uh, where is it? Two last phrases I really love from the documentary from mm -hmm. this is not a conspiracy theory are, um, we are controlled by systems. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was, that's an interesting thing to wrap your head around. Mm -hmm. um, more than individuals were controlled by systems. Yep. And for those of us, you know, that are um, immersed in integral theory, there's a little bit more freedom in that because we know a system the lower right of the, the quadrants of integral theory is just a part. So there's ways to influence a system, even starting in our own experience yep. and vice versa. Um, but then the thing I really loved that I feel like we see, I see happening right now. I think whether or not it's true, you know, I saw some, another thing from Trump that he wants to set up the national guard at the border of Canada mm -hmm. to prevent people from coming in. So responding to a global crisis with the tools and technologies of a previous time, right? We need people to set up barriers to keep certain yeah. things out yeah. versus our economic system itself is so complex 
there's no way for us to be totally isolated. Like it's just, people are going to have to come and go from this country and mm -hmm. every one of those people could become a carrier at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but he summarized it in just this idea that I love as an integralist and is just the biggest threats of our future are emergent. So they're things that emerge from the system that we can't predict. AI has gone rogue, right? Viruses spreading in ways we could have never predict predicted. Um, and to me, you know, and I, I ranted about this a little yesterday, and I'd be curious just to get your thoughts. The hopeful part in me is, as someone who's believed in, believed in what is kind of a prediction, but there's some evidence for that there is this level of complexity of consciousness called integral thinking that, mm -hmm. you know, um, this might be the systems level event that evokes a necessary, a, a global response that can only happen at an integral level or certain levels of complexity and awareness of the systems and the fact that we can't destroy the systems is necessary. That mm -hmm. this could be a moment where, you know, if, at least from where, where I'm sitting, things look pretty fucked for a little while, like massive recession coming. LA is probably about to get hit a little bit like how New York was about to get hit other areas too, yeah. like scary, yeah. but okay. What's the vision of what can we move towards, you know, that, that yeah. to unify it behind. And for me, it's like, okay, this is, this does feel like a global wake up call, at least that the old systems were not working mm -hmm. right for a lot of people, I think. And that's, that's somewhere I do think there's a little bridge there of, you know, a lot of the people I disagree with that I think voted for Trump in 2016, what they were really saying is the system's not working for me. And right. this guy's naming that. He's yes. naming that the system is not working for me yes. like I was promised. And then we have people on the left, you know, the Bernie supporters in particular, that the system totally. is not working for me um, as I was promised. And I think there's a unity under that, that totally. my hope would be, you know, that might be what comes out of this is this is going to burn through some systems and you know, what's next. I'm just you know, curious if you did have an optimistic take or. Oh yeah. Where, where you're, where you're at looking forward out of this moment. I'm, I'm mostly stoked right now. Um, I mean, definitely moments of fear and moments of anxiety or paranoia, but uh, you know, I resonated a lot with what you just said. And uh, in a way, you know, you could be speaking for both of us there. Like what's the possible thing that's going to be on the other side of this. It's like, we are, I think passing through like a portal or a keyhole kind of moment. And, you know, not everyone's going to be there on the other side of it. I mean, maybe I won't be there on the other side of it, but like the, it's like as the business as usual kind of melts down and we sort of see, Oh, there were just all these layers of, <laughs> how the world works that we sort of have just assumed were true. And now we kind of see as they, these kind of cascading effects sort of go through the system. What is the interaction between a physical virus and social media algorithms and uh, financial markets, right? Like this is very weird, right? Like, and to see, it's kind of like, wait a minute, you know, like, I mean, there's some people that I know that are, they're just getting ready for like the collapse of all civilization, you know? And I'm like, okay, that maybe there's an outside chance that that will happen. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. I don't think that it will, but 
in a moment like this, it's like all of those layers that sort of seem real or like solid or like this is just the kind of part of the unchanging landscape start to feel more like they're up for question or they might just blow away that they're they're more ephemeral like the the impermanence of these things starts to seem more real to more people all at the same time and that gets me very excited uh because it's almost like the 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 predictability of the future is is melting away but when when predictability and, and control goes down like possibility and vision go up, right? It's a, you can think of it as like a liminal kind of space. Zach Stein just wrote a really great article, which I recommend on Emerge about this, almost like a spiritual take on the moment that we're in. And I think that's true. Like when this kind of uncertainty starts to go up and the possibility goes up in tandem with it, we start, you know, our, the circuitry that we're doing that makes these conspiracy theories is a kind of creativity, right? It is it's a true. kind of usage of our mind space, like more like of our brain is kind of like something. I need to be doing something. Like what is that something I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, or at least for some people right now. Yeah. Uh, and that something is like actually envision what it could be on the other side of the keyhole. Right. We're all acting with incomplete information. And yes, we've all been interpreting the world through these multiple layers of mediated content. It's always been that way, but it's like all the layers are all kind of in flux right now simultaneously. And, uh, I just, that, that to me, is just like, that's a moment where we can create the future. We, our actions now have a more significant consequence, ironically, in a way, because it's like we thought when all the stuff was solid, we had more control yeah. and predictability. And we kind of had more predictability in some ways and some amount of control. But in a moment where like possibility is kind of going up, strangely, our actions are of more consequence. And then we start thinking in terms that are kind of more fundamental or more archetypal. Like, what kind of person are you going to be in a moment like this, right? Are you going to demonstrate love and charity and compassion? Are you going to demonstrate like um, kindness and mm -hmm. uh, generosity? Are you going to like, um, you know, find the places where you can make the difference that, that you want to actually be making? Like what happens when your kind of priorities get really clarified in a moment like this like what ends up on top do you suddenly start freaking out and get just totally paranoid and like the only thing you know how to do to control this is like spin up a conspiracy theory or can you let that part go but take that same your cpu is spun up it's like online yeah. right and like use it in another way because it's like I don't think it's going to like, eh, just, I mean, maybe some people are really checking out, like doing just drinking or whatever, but, but I think a lot of people are kind of like, Mah! like, okay, everything is, all the cylinders are firing right now. It's got to go yeah. somewhere. 
right? And if it doesn't go somewhere good, it's going to go somewhere that's going to spin you out into some mental health crisis if you're not careful. Yeah. Well put. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I, I loved the feeling in my body as you uh, painted that picture of the solid structures melting a little bit and getting a little more malleable and this idea that, yeah, this is a moment where we can consciously choose to rewrite some of the rules that make up our system, right? Yes. They're, they're, they're not defined by nature, right? A lot of these ways we've chosen to live our society. So this is a great time to question, okay, what are the rules of the game we want to play by? Because mm-hmm. we can change some inputs, which will have different outputs, right? The guidelines by which we're playing with. And I think that's such a great um, way to take, you know, this intense unfolding tragedy in some parts of the world and, and, and use it to really pause and ask, you know, well, what do we want to move towards? Yeah. Cool. So I love that. Thank you, brother, so much for doing this. This was such a wild, fun ride. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so many, so many things we covered around conspiracy theory there and so clarifying for me. Uh, really appreciate everything you brought. All right. Thanks, cool. man. We'll do it again. Yes. It's good something else sometime, brother. Awesome. Later. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness for the amazing intro and outro song. Check them out.